we are back. Welcome to part two of this year-end edition of Cat's Corner the Podcast. I'm your host, Rissa Cat Cat Okadei, and it is back to tea time with the good Elise Perry. Mm-hmm. I figured, you know, if we're going to end it in your house, we might as well have you come give us a little tea while we come to the close of 2021. Welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> we had so much fun last time. I know. We were, we were. We were yakking. We were carrying on. And so there are no promises that we are going to be appropriate since we weren't last time. Hmm. So it is, what day is it? It's the 27th, right? Technically. The 28th. Okay. Technically recording this December 28th. Mm-hmm. Um, we are headed towards the end of 2021, the beginning of 2022. Mm-hmm. How would you, in one word, describe 2021? Hmm. One word? One word. Mm. Ugh evolution Mm. why would you choose that word because i'm talking about me Mm me 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 and i've come from being someone who has a whole lot to say Mm -hmm. and doesn't say it Mm -hmm. and also in a position where i have to say it if i think it Mm -hmm. because it's super important right my opinion is necessary from time to time I have to make choices. I have to have an opinion. I have to say something. Mm-hmm. And so I was saying this to a friend of mine earlier. I have to actually talk. And <laughs> then and if I talk, I, I want to be able to say the right things and say it intelligently mm-hmm. and not really slow because I'm not, I'm not a fast talker. Right, right, right. Uh, this feels like deja vu. But I don't know why. Mm. I feel like I need to go back and listen to our last episode together. Because I feel like some of this came up in the last episode about the importance of you owning your truth on your Mm. observations and being able to articulate them in a way that is effective across the board. Yeah, but that's real. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up a little bit this year. I mean, mm, there's some shedding Mm -hmm. that I had to do. And then there's seeding Mm -hmm. uh, so I can harvest some different kind of energies and different opportunities and all of that. What came from some of that was pretty amazing to me. Okay. Evolution. I love it. I think my word would be shit show. <laughs> I was thinking that. Yep. <laughs> you know, it was probably one of the most shittiest in some cases year yeah. I've ever years I've ever had. And that's not excluding the year my mom died. Like, it's just like, yo, you got to mm. be kidding me. And it feels like, it literally feels like 10 years in one year. Like, it just feels like this thing has been going on forever. So... When I think about all the things that have happened, all the people that we've lost in this year alone, it's mm. still sort of, it overwhelms me when I think about it. It's like, geez, Louise. Um, I, mm, yeah. I don't even want to think about it, but yeah, I thought about that because this part, this time last year, we lost a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And we thought that that was bad. <laughs> and I feel like mm. this year it's just been, it's like an upward trek. So I'm... I don't know how I feel about the year ending because I don't trust anything. Last year I was on some happy next year. I'm still on that. And I said this in the birthday ramble episode, even though it has been crazy, there have been some amazing moments of like complete, wow, we are doing, we are doing the damn thing. So there've been some great moments, but overall, like this thing has exhausted me. I'm tired. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) I'm definitely tired. I mean, yeah. Evolution. The tiring part was there was so many shifts. You know, you got you come from virtual, yep, to all right. Let's get back out there. Right. Some jobs are there, some jobs are not. Kids are in school. No, they're not in school. Mm-hmm. You know, my situation here is I I'm helping to take care of a, a kindergartner, mm-hmm. and so we started the year 
in virtual school and right. now you know she's in school but seeing how teachers are handling that wow wow yeah just seeing the truth of how at the end of the year how it's being handled by the people in power it's questionable to me mm -hmm. and you know i'm not going to go on record and go too hard on any one thing because i don't know everything right but it doesn't feel like everything was made with the full intentions of the people right so I don't know. I don't know. I don't it's know. a shit show. Yeah. I'm just, that's the word that I'm using because we just today, in fact, the CDC has now just said that if you're asymptomatic, instead of 10 days of quarantine, five <laughs> days is fine as long as you wear a mask for the next five days. And it's like, okay, we know that major airlines and corporations have asked the CDC to change its ruling because people are, you know, not able to work because they're out sick. It just feels like a dumpster fire all the time when it comes to how this country, in particular the United States, has handled this particular situation. It's like, you don't know. You, you have no idea. And so somebody tweeted recently, you know, how lost they feel because there's no protocols, there's no clarity on what you're supposed to do. I'm like, if you're looking for the government to tell you what to do, you're already failing because the government clearly does not know what the hell to do in these situations. So this is where common sense becomes really important. Quarantine and hope, I mean, and you know, false positives and tests and all this. There's so many ways that this is like, yeah, there are issues, but mm. I think you quarantine until you come back with a negative test. That's pretty much it. I mean, you see people, they don't feel sick. They don't stay home. <laughs> the people that are sick, they stay home. Right. And now I only have to do this for five days now. I'm not positive, so I can go on back out in the street. Well, and that's just, yeah. So there's just a lot of, that's yeah. why for me it's a shit show. Because this year has revealed to me just how dangerous this idea of the self being more important than the whole is. Like, you know, we talk about individual rights and this is something that this country is born on, or at least it claims to be born on. It didn't apply to indigenous people or black folks or women, but you know, all right, go ahead with your individual rights. And that's become the cornerstone of this, I won't wear a mask and your politicization of the vaccine and all this other stuff. So there's just this constant, like y'all don't give a shit about everybody else. You only care about yourself. And so I'm just ready to be done with the whole thing. Like, I'm just, I'm tired. But at the same time, I don't think that we're going into something new and fresh in 2022. Mm -hmm. I expect the same nonsense is going to continue to play itself out. And I wonder what is it going to take for us to feel like, you know, we were supposedly moving away from this and then here come Omicron. And Omicron didn't happen by itself. I was telling someone that we could learn a thing or two from COVID. The variant exists because the virus is not trying to die. It is willing to change itself to not die. Mm -hmm. We, on the other hand, are not. We are not willing to change the way we do things. We are not willing to shift and mold in a way that will keep us alive because we keep doing the same shit and mm -hmm. then being surprised that variants are happening or that things are not better. You're you're right. I mean, I still think that we're still figuring out everything. It was a whole different shit show a year ago. Right. And we didn't know, right? It was we the first, right. We didn't still know. Don't know. They but don't even know. now we still don't know. We don't know. I mean, everything is on hold. I think everything that I'm planning to do in the next two months is still on hold. And I wonder how do we manage that piece? Because mm. when I think about, this is the time when people plan, they visualize, they, you know, I'm actually meeting with some people tomorrow and I'm doing some collective visioning boarding thing on Thursday. And it's like, okay, yeah, you know, I know that there are certain things that I want to do different, but I also know that we're still technically going to be in a pandemic. So how does that mitigate or how does that affect what I'm able to do? 
You know what I'm saying? Because I think part of what a lot of folks are suffering from, myself included, is the fact that there's some things you just couldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, what mm-hmm. you what you wanted to do for this year might have been not possible from the sheer fact that we're living in a pandemic. Cat, this last couple of weeks, in December is just, I start just kind of shutting down with critical thinking. Right. I kind of grinch out a week and a half before Christmas. You grinch out. I grinch out. <laughs> And then somewhere around there, there's a tiny Tim-like person (laughs) who steals all of the Grinch-like qualities out. And then my heart grows like the Grinch. Like the Grinch, a little bit. Yeah. So, but I get really introspective. And so I have so much hope for the things that I I see for myself, Mm -hmm. my folk, my people. And then I see nothing. Right. So it's frustrating because now I, you know, next week we'll be into a new year at the mm-hmm. end of the week. And this week, at the end of this week, right? Yep. Next week we'll be in a new year yep. and it just doesn't feel different enough. Right. I don't know. My, my point was a whole lot bigger, but I think at the end of the day, I just don't feel like um, we're in a space where any great shifts will happen. Oh, I was going to say, I look back on the last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm confused. It still feels like there were only six months out of that 12. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) What happened? Like, what do you mean? Like, what's going on? I was just like, what did I feel like last year? Right. And what did I accomplish this year? This is the first time I've thought about this. What did I accomplish? And I got, I was like scared for a second. I was like, oh, shit. Right. Not as much as I thought. But you did, though. You survived. I survived. And there are certain things, like I said, there were mm-hmm. evolution mm-hmm. moments, plenty of them. But right. how to carry them forth into next year, that gives me hope and mm-hmm. actually, ooh, mm-hmm. you know, gives me tingles. Mm-hmm. But if I judge my last five years on my last year, I would be like, ooh. Right. Am I down? Are we going into failureville? Right, or? right, right. But no. That's not true. Right. And I don't even believe that. But it does feel scary when your life has moved one way for so many years. And then this last year, okay, we're virtual. We're in a pandemic. I get it. But let's look at what you really have done. Mm-hmm. And how did you manage that? So you de- definitely survived. But oh, my God, look at how you did it. Right. And so when I think about that, I'm like, oh, shoot. What did we do for year two of weirdness? Yep. Yeah. So I'm in a space where I'm not really worried. There's no failure. So I'm I'm not worried about that. But I'm no more clear this year than I was last year, you know. You know, it's interesting. We did an Ancestrally Speaking with Simone. It was me, Simone, Evelyn, and Andrea. It was the full crew. And we talked. It was like we were going out of 2020 into 2021. And she asked, you know, what do you want from 2021? And Evelyn had said, I'm not asking that question. I'm asking, what does 2021 want from me? Mm, And when we came back in 2021, Evelyn wasn't there because her dad had gotten sick. So it was just the three of us. And I had said that really stuck with me. Like, what does 2021 want from me? And my big thing was somebody had said that they choose a word every year. They use that word as their guide for the year. And I had decided that experimentation was going to be my word for Mm. this year. And so I feel like I did that. And that feels really good in the sense of, instead of setting an intention, I let a word kind of be the thing that I played with for the whole year. So I started the newsletter and I, you know, I've been trying to figure out ways to be more efficient in my professor life. So in keeping with that spirit, I decided to continue the experimentation, but I was going to add 
experiment and execute. That's going to mm. be the thing for 2022. So as you all heard in part one, I did not go to Senegal because of a whole bunch of shit. And so I decided these last couple days before 2022, normally I would just sit around, scratch my ass, watch a bunch of TV, <laughs> eat food and do nothing. So I gave myself yesterday and today, but starting tomorrow, these next three days, Mm-hmm. I decided that I was going to attempt to knock out some of the ideas I have for my classes mm-hmm. now before the year is out. So part of me wants to see if I can get ahead of things, mm-hmm. knowing that the pandemic isn't going anywhere, knowing that the government doesn't know what it's doing, that we're probably still going to have to be virtual with a lot of things. What can I do to alleviate that entry in, Mm -hmm. especially if I plan on trying to go on a trip somewhere before school starts. Mm -hmm. Instead of me coming in hot, trying to get my classes set up the week before class, how about I do some of that heavy lifting now? So I'm concept, you know, what a concept start (laughs) earlier, you know, procrastination doesn't always have to be your friend. So I'm wondering for you, as you leave behind this, I don't even know that we're leaving behind anything, child. It just feels like long underwear that's following you into the next season. But when you think about it, it does. It's I like, think I'm leaving a lot behind. Honestly. What are you leaving behind? Like, give me like the top three things you're leaving behind. Oh, I'm saying this with a microphone. I think I'm leaving half of my career behind. What does that mean? The way I used to do it is mm-hmm. going to be shifting. Okay. I think it's growing up. It's mm-hmm. evolving. Mm-hmm. You were talking about one, one, two words that describe the whole year. And I think I'm stealing one of your words and that would be execute mm-hmm. but the first word is innovate mm-hmm. innovate and execute i love it i already had the vision mm-hmm. and that's an old word but it's like innovate and execute execute is the most important yep. word yep because it is i too. have been thinking and yep visualizing yep all my life yep i've written three or four books in my head girl i got a book yeah you Listen, know so it's, it's like you know what you Right. It's just hanging out in the frontal lobe. I'm like it needs to actually be something. So instead of me, you know, sitting around thinking about it, I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I will say is a good part of I watched Insecure, the final episode. I haven't watched it. And they have a documentary called The End. Yeah. So they have mm-hmm. a documentary that goes along with it that everyone should at least watch. Mm -hmm. Even if you didn't watch the series, I'm incredibly proud of what Issa Rae was able to do. Mm -hmm. And as someone who was a fan of hers during Awkward Black Girl, Mm -hmm. watching her consistency pay off, it's inspiring. Uh, You know, when you're a Gen Xer watching the millennials do their thing, sometimes if you're not careful, you can get caught up in shoulda, woulda, coulda and feeling sort of sorry for yourself because you didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. do whatever. And one of the things I love about our version of middle age is that for some of us, we realize that it is our beginning and it's absolutely the age for us to do things. We don't have to necessarily have done them in our, in our thirties or whatever. And so I watched the documentary really inspired because I see how she created that community Mm-hmm. And how a lot of people have benefited mm-hmm. from her brilliance. Mm-hmm. And I see the community that I'm a part of. I see mm-hmm. some similarities in the way that she operates and the way that I operate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The difference is I haven't been focused on one thing mm-hmm. in the way that she has. And so I was like, you know, let me see what I can do with that. Let me see what execution looks like if it's focused in one specific direction. And so that's kind of my thing. I'm like, I'm inspired by her. I see what she's doing. I think what she's doing is brilliant. She talks about in the documentary, 
not understanding the full weight of what she was doing. She was just trying to do something she had a passion for and how it is basically like insecure lives forever in, in a canon of itself. Like it's mm-hmm. not like, make no mistake whether you liked it or didn't like it. She and that whole crew changed mm-hmm. how TV, you know, because of that, there are going to be more black shows that might have an opportunity that, that might not have. And so in a lot of ways, she's operating as a culture architect. She's just using, you know, she's using TV and media as the way to do it. So I think getting out of our heads and just actually executing is going to be the fun part. And I also realize that there's so many people in our sphere that once we execute, getting it to wherever it needs to get to is... We just have to jump in back what we were doing from the very beginning. Yeah. I mean... For those of you who don't know how Risa Cat and I initiated all of this power that we do together creatively, I put on a um, open mic mm-hmm. eons ago. At Toka. At Toka Lounge. Toka with, Lounge. With my girl Keisha. Keisha! She bullied me to that. <laughs> and I, I always say that because she did, and it was great. And I'm so thankful for her to do that because in comes you. In comes, in comes you mm-hmm. and so many other people. So I'm very happy. Oh, there's a happy child. There's a happy child. He's excited. Yes, he's excited. So basically, we started putting together things. And at the time, I'm watching media change. I'm working at BET or I had worked at BET at the time. I I think I had left or had just left or whatever. And things were changing. Everybody was starting to shoot things with little cameras and phones. Mm -hmm. and, And everything was changing. I didn't even have a DSLR at the time. Right. So I learned from my younger peers where this is going, relearned how to be out here Mm -hmm. while my peers were still doing what they had done for 10, 15, 20 years. For some of them, it had been that long. For me, maybe a little less. But the the bottom line is that I was just like, this is where it's going. And I don't really want to go down that route anymore because it's stifling. Mm -hmm. So... I would watch people like Ralston, mm-hmm. Ralston Smith, what's up? I would watch how he shot things, and I was like, he's so free. He's so free. Oh, my so goodness. So free. And all these other young folk out here shooting so free, breaking some rules, mm-hmm. some of them forsaking audio with great pictures, and I would help some of them with that. And so the merging between my experience and their freedom created a freer me, mm-hmm. And a cleaner them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's what it was all about for me. And so what we built was just like, let's just kind of do what we want. But let's let's just take the the production value up all the way. You created these amazing events that were culturally iconic. We documented them. People came. They saw. They were like, this is amazing. (laughs) I think about all of that stuff. And I was just like, still, there has been nothing like that ever done. Mm. And I I just feel like we need to continue on that trajectory because we still have the ideas. We are the visionaries. And we're still sitting here looking at Issa Rae's. Start with something that was similar and Mm -hmm. just, and then pull it off. Why? YouTube. People watching YouTube. So I just released, we had to dump some of what we have been doing for mm-hmm. 20, 30 years at that time and yeah. just say, all right, they're starting with zero. Right. We almost have to feign zero. Right. And I think that's almost what we have to do all the time now is create, start at a zero-ish, mm-hmm. not zero for real. Right. Because as my mother would say, 
you can start over every 10 years, Mm -hmm. but you never, you you still have a foundation. Right. So I just think we have everything we need. It's just. We do. We just need to do it. We need to get out of our heads. Yeah. And, you know, I mean. Smart. Yeah. We just need to. Well, sometimes that's part of it too, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that, you know, I see a lot of things that are hitting right now that we did. Mm Mm-hmm like years ago, like decades ago. And I used to joke, I was like, well, when you're from the future, it always takes people years to catch up. And so a lot of what we were doing didn't make sense in the at the time that we were doing it. You know, Soul Overdose was fire, but everybody didn't get what I was trying to do with that. You know what I'm saying? People still don't know how to do it right. <laughs> no, they don't. And you know where, you know, I know where to do it. Now. <laughs> I know, you know, <laughs> I'm, it's going to be done. It, it needs to be. Cause that's one, that was one of my favorite joints. Like I really enjoyed the experience of what that was. And I just think that it's our time. I think that the beauty of, of having some age on you is that you can see yourself a little clearer and you can also respect that, you know, maybe now the world is ready, you know, because the reality is, is that there is a lot of stuff that, doesn't excite me because I felt like I've done this already. I've done it. Like, yes, I'm not interested. And so my goal is, and I'd said this in the previous episode. So black and wellness is something that I'm excited to launch Mm -hmm. where I'm sort of bringing together black wellness folks who are teaching and who are living in this wellness space, but also kind of looking at wellness from the perspective of the cultural architect space, the socialization. Mm -hmm. Like there is something very healing about a good club night. <laughs> I've watched people come in sad and leave happy mm-hmm. with the right mix and the mm-hmm. right group of people. Like it's, it's a thing. Um, there's something really powerful about, you know, kickbacks and mm-hmm. Uno games and people are yelling and screaming and, and mm-hmm. having drinks. Like there's something dance really powerful. Therapy. Right. Dance mm-hmm. therapy, you know, just talking shit therapy, like mm-hmm. just sitting around, you know, going to the lake with the girls and like sitting in the hot tub therapy. That was, that was fantastic. And so, there are ways that I'm seeing how my idea around culture can be expanded. And there's a specific thing that I'm planning to launch this coming year. Come by hook or by crook, I'm doing it. And Mm -hmm. just so I can see what it looks like. Um, And so, yeah, I'm excited, but I, but I'm also quite proud of us because we, we did make it. Well, we're almost there to the finish line. It has not been an easy road. Mm-mm. It has not been an easy road. But. No, because we're, you know, and then real life. So we're living in this beautiful creative space of magic. <laughs> Outside then, in the real world. <laughs> and then the real world is a pan- panoramic, as it's you a, call it. There's a whole panorama child. And then, you know, we have families mm-hmm. and they have needs and we can help and we get losses and we get sad. Mm-hmm. So we get slowed down. I mean, we're in that age group the youngins they you know they still have somebody else to rub their backs mm-hmm. and just say it's all right but now it's just like we're the back rubbers yep and the, you know it's just different so what can we embrace that they do we don't we can't worry about what they're going to do right from us for us whatever what can we embrace from our elders and our kids, our youngers, our I so the thing the that youths. I embrace from the youth is, which is funny, because even now in Nigeria we would not be considered adults; <laughs> we would still be considered wow. young people <laughs> in certain areas. So I think what I take from those behind me is they're fearless. I just feel like they're fearless. Mm-hmm. They are so fearless, and I admire that about the late millennial Gen Z or folks. They are really 
fearless. They will put themselves out there. They do not care what you say about them. They're willing to try. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be damned if, you know, I still haven't, you know, I'm, I'm not on TikTok and, you know, I see the videos and I'm like, that's cute. But do I even have the patience to create that? That's a lot of work. So where, what is that that keeps us from TikTok? I mean, I know I am not an avid poster. Right. You know, it's, here's the thing. I know how much time it takes to create that uh, one, two minute uh, video skit. I know how long that takes. Yes. And so while I love, like I have some favorites that I love to follow because they keep me in stitches and I think it's brilliant. That is a lot of work. And, yes, I know. And, and it's a lot of work to be doing just for somebody to like your shit or leave a comment. Like I need monies. <laughs> It I, you know, time and I time mean, there's a lot day. of time oh that is God. spent. And then by the time they start to see a profit, you know, like a lot of these folks are doing, you know, yes, they have millions of followers and they get these, they have influencers, they get to do ads, but it's a lot of work, right? It's a great deal of work. And I don't know, I don't know what the payoff is just yet. Like what you have to do to actually achieve a certain level where your insurance is paid for and you can like travel the way you want. Like you're always having to work in a way that I don't see like there's a break there, you know, different, that's a different generation. It is. They're used to living differently monetarily. Mm -hmm. They didn't get our salaries. Right. Remember you were introducing us to some folk who were just doing different Mm -hmm. things and flying over the, you know, getting, Getting situations where they were able to fly all over the mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. for nothing right. and then do social media here mm-hmm. and do social media there and really not making a whole lot of money. I don't remember. There might have right. been more than I'm thinking about. But I think about my last year. I didn't make a whole lot, but I'm actually doing okay. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how they live. They do. They do live that way. And to a certain extent, I live that way, but I also teach and I'm, I like certain things being lined up. Mm -hmm. You know, I do. I like that my mortgage gets paid. I like that I can, if I want to do a little something strange and like run up a bill on the credit card, I can, I don't have to worry about it. And I also like that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I also like that I don't have to create in order to, you know what I'm saying? Like if I want to create, I can, Mm -hmm. if I don't want to create, that's fine too. Right, right, right. And I'm still okay. And so that is very much Gen X of me, I'm sure. But what I think about You brought up on security. Well, I'm also I've also been on that side where you are singing for your breakfast every time. Mm-hmm. And it's not fun. I don't enjoy it. And I also feel like I'm not living in this area in the DMV. If I lived in LA, maybe, but, or New York, maybe, I don't know. But I think where I live, the hustle is a little bit different. So Mm -hmm. having to, you know, pitch yourself and all of these, those opportunities weren't as prevalent. And let's be honest, as a Gen Xer, being a black woman, the opportunities that I have had in the corporate space have been limited and there's always a but, Mm -hmm. you know, I like what you do, but, But. Mm -hmm. you know, And so I like the idea of actually being able to go work with the Black Love or go work with a nonprofit where they can't pay me as much. But because I have something that like takes care of the bills, I can make those decisions to do the work that I absolutely love doing. And that's great because that's exactly the energy behind something that you brought up years ago. 
cultural currency. Mm -hmm. Yes. Was that what it was? Yeah. Cultural currency. Mm -hmm. The value of the art you create mm -hmm. and what the value is to the person who doesn't really know how to value it. Right. So when we talked about uh, gentrification, how the culture is like for the person who wants that space, mm -hmm. they create the, sp the spaces. They don't really care about, I'm talking about developers. Right. I don't care. I'm just going to say this is, this is an opinion for no one else but me. They get the space. Whatever can go in the space is fine as long as it pays for itself and more. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, new people move into those spaces and whatever is there, it's like a wonderful painting on the wall. Yeah. Oh, what a wonderful backdrop we yeah. have here. Right. And then, you know, if they're tired of that painting, they want to take that painting down and put something else up. Mm -hmm. Don't you DC. Right. How you move there. Right. It was cool until it got too loud. And, you know, got I too black. To, can I turn like, that off, please? Right. right. So we can call that a lot of things. But what I see is that it was valuable until it wasn't valuable anymore. People don't know how to evaluate or value, create a proper valuation for music that mm -hmm. plays in the backdrop of their life. Mm -hmm. The art that uh, is on the walls of their buildings or their rooms. The DJ who mm -hmm. plays during happy hour. The band that right. plays during happy hour. Right. They don't know how to really give it its just due. Right. And we have to know, we have to know, and we have to be able to almost tell people what it costs mm -hmm. to not have it. Right. You know, everybody wants a good concert. I remember this band leader said, it's nothing like the sound of a woman's voice. Mm -hmm. And he was very specific, a woman's voice. Not that men don't have great voices, right. but he was saying, this band is great, but we need a woman's voice. Now, however you want to look at it, I just think it is the human being emoting mm -hmm. in melodic form singing and if we can't be if we can't express to people that you need us mm -hmm. you want us we make everything you sell mm -hmm. look better sound better mm -hmm. feel better we have to be able to tell the people who respect the x's and the o's and the zeros and the ones they respect everything else other than the art and the color and the feeling right that this is you know this is money right this is money this is currency so this is the way you bring in people that are from here mm -hmm. that have money. Their money's green. Right. So, uh, and you see movies like that all the time. I just think that that's where we are now. Mm -hmm. That's where we are. And um, I think that's kind of some of the things that I have kind of learned in the last year just by observing different situations. We have to be able to express exactly how what we do will make money for ourselves and the people who want our stuff. Right. And I, and I think for me, applying a monetary value to what I do, it's not hard. Mm -hmm. I know I'm expensive because <laughs> I am. Oh, yeah. um, but it's also getting folks to understand that, uh, and, get, you know, me learning to be able to articulate, like, you're not paying for my execution. You're paying for my vision, mm -hmm. which is very different than mm -hmm. my ability to actually make something happen. Yeah. It's the fact that I can see it before you can. Mm -hmm. And so in moving into this new phase, whatever this phase is, what, I don't know what we're calling it yet. Part of it is that it's, I've decided I'm just going to roll with my vision. That's it. And that's it. I mean, who wants to beat ourselves up? Now we are Gen Xers. We can work for everybody else's vision for another 10 years if we want. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it. The thing of it is, is that like I had this epiphany this past semester 
I'm trying to figure out ways to give my students sort of real life work that they can use, benefit from, learn from, and then go out into the world and do things. Mm-hmm. And I'm also trying to give them a sense of ownership of what they do in class. So yeah. I teach a buoy and that is definitely more in line with as a creative. But what I do at PG in teaching students about literature and writing is just as important. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've been really working hard on is figuring out like what's the formula for me to acknowledge that we're living in a pandemic. So me trying to press them to do 15 different assignments is probably not going to work because everybody's stressed out and tired. Mm-hmm. And then them getting, you know, understanding that, yeah, you have to take this class because it's part of what it's required. But I want you to own your writing. I want you to feel comfortable writing these words and actually I want you to think and I want mm-hmm. you to articulate what it is that you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And I want you to understand why that's important. Mm-hmm. And so I had some really great moments with my students last semester that were just by accident. It was just me trying to pivot because it was clear that what I was trying to get them to do wasn't going to work mm-hmm. because everyone legitimately is tired, fed up, and in some cases remorseful because of what's been taken from them. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of students who were coming in as freshmen who didn't have a senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. And it was really affecting how they were viewing their outlook on their classwork and what they were doing. And, you know, I'm just trying to make sure folks a little less nihilistic by the time we get to the end of the semester. And so I came up with these different ways to get them to think about something as boring as an annotated bibliography in a way that I hadn't thought about it. And it got me excited. I was like, okay. So the vision is really what I'm leading with, with everything. Like my ideas around how I want to live, you know, I'd said it might be time to transfer out of teaching and to think about something else. And so, you know, I was asked to apply for certain things that I didn't get because I asked my ancestors always, if it ain't going to work, don't listen. Don't, I don't even want to get to the interview because mm-hmm. I'm impressive in the interview. So <laughs> let's not even get to the interview if it's not going to work. And so having to reformat my, my resume and, and think about these things, I'm, I, all this stuff is swirling in my head. And at the end of the semester, I'd gotten everything done and I sat down and I'm like, I really love teaching. <laughs> like I really, I hate grading. I hate the administrative aspects of it, but I love connecting with students and I love who they become when I am able to push them to kind of claim, you know, regardless of which school or what subject, the feedback that I got from students individually was how much they really enjoyed the class, even though I felt like I wasn't my best. They really felt like they had learned something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I absolutely love teaching. So I have to figure out a way to bring my vision to everything that I do, Mm -hmm. including teaching. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know what? The beauty of my years in service as it is, is that I can actually do what I want as long as I meet the course outcomes. So one of the Gen X things that we're really good at is we follow instructions. You yeah. tell us we have to do it this way, we yeah. do it this way. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, what happens if I do it my way? So I tried a little tweaking here and there, and it worked. And I was like, yo, next semester, I'm about to go completely ham. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally upending everything to match the vision of what I want for my students and what I want them to walk away with. And so that's why it's really about experimentation and execution going into this new year, this next year. I ain't gonna call it new because I think I've been holding back mm-hmm. a I little agree. bit. On my part of what you're saying, yeah, we hold back mm-hmm. because we're Gen Xers and we fall in line. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I walked away with, they don't. They do not. They're like, line? What line? Screw that line. 
Mm-hmm. Rubber the line out Move. of the way. Move the line, right? Move. So yeah. we're looking at ways to bend it and to to fold it in. They're like, you know what? We're what? not for what? We're not even seeing a line. The line doesn't exist. Boom, boom, boom. And I remember I asked myself, what do you want to do? Like, how do you want to, what do you want the next phase to be? Like, what is it? And I was like, you know what? I'm betting on myself. Why not? So there's a couple of projects that I had to do for Black Magic Sisters that got done. And I was able to get it done in a way that was efficient. And the things that I'd learned from Simone and just kind of watching how she did her business and just even having to pack things up and like sell some of her stuff to to get it out the door. Like all of these things that I learned, I was like, yo, I'm going to apply that. And so experiment and execute. That's what it is. Mm. We're leaving nothing on the table. We're putting it all out there. Whatever sticks, sticks and whatever doesn't, doesn't. You're right. You're right. I keep thinking about all these things about how we're operating with so little. You know, you talk about doing things your way. I keep sitting in situations where I'm being led by somebody and I keep seeing, I was like, oh, they're doing this wrong. Mm -hmm. Why are they doing it this way? He or she is struggling with certain things that are just so easy for me to navigate whether it's easy is is neither here or there it's right. just i see a way to navigate this where it's painless for everybody mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be this hard all the rules that we followed all these years they are time takers mm-hmm. and half of those people don't want to do that or have retired or have moved into something else right. and then we have the young the young they don't respond that's not their foundation we got to figure out another way to get to click i mean thank god i know how to click with some of these folks it's just like so you know how you do this that and the other thing yeah let's let's try it this way and all of a sudden you've been able to cut through something that Mm -hmm. everybody's trying to use this knife right it's like it's a butter knife you need you need a hatchet with this right right you you need a hatchet right and I knew how to use a hatchet because I accidentally had a hatchet one day mm-hmm. while I was trying to do, you know, these right. kinds of things. Right. Um, that's the innovation. That's the... Well, I think we're the I, generation of both worlds. And, and, that's, and that's it, but we're not all that way. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of us who are still looking for the gold watch like you're a baby boomer. Mm-hmm. You've been in service for several years and I get my gold watch and my pension. <laughs> <laughs> there's no pension there's no pension nope the pension is finished no pension mm. creating our own retirement yeah that's i mean another that's conversation th- that is more. another conversation Oof. i mean i have a vision for me too a really cool ass compound of all of us like <laughs> hanging out and just like taking care of each other i mean there is an episode around the unpartnered that i definitely want to talk about because i think that that is a conversation that that needs to be had and what that looks like and this whole idea of soulmates just being romantic partners and not friends when we think about like i consider you evelyn andre and a couple other folks like my my soulmates in terms of what my tribe is all about that's a whole conversation it is j.il the podcast they talked about sister wives oh okay that was so interesting everybody's got one it's true. Everybody has more than one. I have surrogate husbands. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We've got all kinds of partners out here. We ain't sleeping with them. Nope. It's all platonic. No, it's not sex. We're not talking about sex. We're talking about people who take care of each other, who yeah. take care of us. I have about ourselves. four surrogate husbands. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Now you, 
a sex conversation is something else. Another conversation for another day. Okay, and she's not even sipping, ladies and gentlemen. She's just out here no. singing the songs. We're alive. We are alive. Gosh darn it all. <laughs> <laughs> Yours. Okay. <laughs> Coming to the silly part of this. I love it. Here it comes. Here it comes. Okay. So with that in mind, yes. what... Do you have plans for New Year's Eve? Are you gonna just? Are you gonna be home? What are you doing? Because um, I keep getting invitations to parties like like I'm like a Marion and out here trying to touch people, and I don't understand yeah, what that's about. I'm not doing none of those. I don't go to parties anymore. I haven't gone to a New Year's Eve party in years. Number one, they're not fun because everybody's drunk. Well, that was the years, yes, the years. I think the last one I went to, you threw Nomads and Tribes. That was fun. That was cool. It was like the anti New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. New Year's Eve, yeah. I went there after church, so that's cool. But I'm not going, you know, church isn't open yet. So I like going to my church because we meditate into the new year. Mm -hmm. So that's always cool. But I don't think that's happening. So I'll probably be home. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in a week. You know, what is Omarion doing next week? Is he chilling out or Or is he touching people? I don't know. But I know I'm not going to no bash, you know, spreader event. (laughs) You know, I think I'm. I think I might see if I can rent the lake house again and like invite people to come up. That's more worth. It. I gotta be. I gotta work the next day, but I sure wouldn't mind having something cool. Like got a fire pit out in that backyard. I have a fire pit actually. I think that would be at the very least that would work for me. Maybe where we'll I do can a fire create pit. the same kind of situation. Yep. We can meditate into the new year and then sip on hot tea or spike mm-hmm. juices. <laughs> without walking without tumbling home right without heel highs like, yeah. none of that you know or whatever responsibly and you take your adult drunk self somewhere and do right. adult drunk things i don't know but for me <laughs> i like peacefully moving into the next i've day. had both and you know it depends on where i am in the world i've done a variety of ways um i was thinking about firing up the fire pit and like inviting people over to like uh, do a little ritual, just mm. you know, kind of you know to kind of seal the deal, mm-hmm. like seal this bad boy and let this thing dump this thing in the sea and be done with it. Because I'm yeah. tired of the energy of 2020 and 2021, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, I look forward to it. I mean, you know, I'm definitely not in the doldrums. Right. I am, I'm yeah. ready to go into a new energy. Mm-hmm. I still got a couple of days to actually write down the things that I. Okay. Feel in my in my gut. I'm gonna invite you to this vision board thing. Apparently, I got invited to. All right. See if you want to do that, but we'll talk about that offline. Yeah. I am very excited that we are closing out the year like this. And thank mm-hmm. you so much for lending me your space to record these podcasts in because this is part of the execution. I also want to thank Aileen, who's been an amazing podcast editor, and helping me at least get them up. So. You know, we've had some consistency. So that part's really, really exciting. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing what else we can do in the new year. Thank you all so much for listening. I think my audience is up to about 24 people now. So it's like little by little we're getting there. Come on, y'all. Tell a friend. (laughs) I'm having fun with it. I'm having fun with it. Like for me right now, just actually doing it and getting it done is that's the win. Um, You all listening is just ice cream on top of it. So thank you all for listening. Have a safe and healthy transition into the next year. Feel free to leave comments. Let me know what you've decided to do, what you're leaving behind and all that good stuff. I think in the coming 
months, I'm going to have more interactive aspects of the podcast available for people to comment on because I haven't really been doing that. Just been focused on getting it done. You rock, Elise Perry. I can't wait to see what 2022 brings for you because I think it's going to be awesome. Me too. I'm going to execute it. Execute and innovate. Innovate and execution. That's right. I love it. I'm experimenting and executing. You're innovating and executing. Let's go. So boom, boom, boom. Let's make it happen. Mm, Done. Yep. And with that, this is the final episode of 2021. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you in the next year. Thank you for listening. It means a lot to me. Just wanted to let you know that Cat's Corner, the podcast, is produced by Little Sosa Productions and edited by Aileen Andrada of Your Bud Pod. If you'd like to follow us, you can check me out at Cat's Corner Co., K-A-T-S-K-O-R-N-E-R-C-O, on all platforms, and LSP underscore on the go. Tune in next time for another edition. As always, we appreciate your listen. Don't forget to like and subscribe so that you can be updated as new podcasts come in. Take care.